Hava Yahweh. Thank you for this opportunity to share time with you, for your teaching, your guidance, speaking to me, showing me, and allowing me to be a conduit to share your truth, your knowledge, and your wisdom to anyone that has an ear to hear the words and listen to the message. Go to the Bible, your word, Father, seeking more of that truth, seeking your face, trying the spirit so that they know that what I speak is truth, Father God. Tug at their hearts through the spirit, Father, which is beautiful. Draw them close, draw them in. Pursue as you do, Father God. Bring them in. Oh, Yahweh, Aman, Yeshua, Aman, Perkletos, Aman. So, some things was thinking about Sunday, being, of course, day of fellowship and gathering with God, and was sharing some things with um, the lead pastor, and. We were kind of kicking around some thought process of the uh, so-called smart phones, these smarter than everybody else phones. And rather than seeking any kind of truth or any answers of reality, that so many will turn to these phones. And I've, I've shared some of this with y'all before. So for some... It might seem a repeat, but hopefully not, and some further clarity. Um, I have read some things and been told something that these these little cellular telephones, as they are called, um, are very powerful computers, and that some of these little gizmos that we carry around and we put so much, we we dump faith into these things. <laughs> yeah, more into this electronic gadget than we do in God or the word of God. Um, that these things are a thousand times more powerful than the computers that they use to send the first moon mission out. They used to use that IBM computer. It looked like a television set on there and you used to have to use a floppy disk and all this. And I shared with you that I, I used to use those things before. Um, you know, you had these uh, diskettes and things that you could get and put in there, floppy disks that you use in the, in the uh, towers as they used to be called, the uh, server towers. Now they have remote server that you don't even see the server. I don't even see it. These things function on what they call broadband. Don't They don't have to be wired into anything. You used to have to have a devoted service line in order to have the computer function. And the reason I share that with you is because there's a fallacy that's taking place and a danger that is happening and I see it very prevalent and I saw it 
thing itself <clears throat> some years ago. Pardon me. <clears throat> and that um, there's a reference we find actually in the book of Ephesians to the prince of the air. I'd say, well, what? Who are they talking about? Who's he talking about? This is actually in Ephesians 2, and it's in Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus. And we can find this in 2, and I'm going to just share 1 through 3. No, actually, I'm going to read more than that. I'm just going to read until I'm until the Spirit stops me. <laughs> yeah. So, in Ephesians 2, chapter chapter 2, verse 1, And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead, and sins hath quickened us together with Christ by grace ye are saved. Now, I give that to you to think on this thing. Who is he talking about? He is talking about, of course, the enemy, Satan. Satan is referred to in several locations. This one is very pertinent because he's called the Prince of the Air. And at one time, we find that Satan was the worship leader. He was an angel until his wickedness welled up and he decided that he was going to usurp God's authority. And then of course, if you read the Bible and you pay attention to what's said, and when Christ tells us that he saw Satan fall as lightning from heaven. So we need to be careful and cautious in this little electronic gizmo. And I started seeing these things manifest themselves and it, and it continues to do so daily, and we really need to pay attention to what's going on with this phone. This They call it smartphone, but I'll tell you right now, I don't find them to be very smart because many times you have to reboot them, turn, them, turn the power completely off, and then turn it back on uh, because something goes on. There's a glitch. You constantly have to get these things updated and and you have to have uh, 
technological support. So being as uh, smart as they claim they are, I think people put way too much credence in these things and give them way too much credit. But I see individuals do not want to speak with anybody. And this, this is why I'm telling you, this is definitely a tool that is used by the Prince of the Air. And that, again, is a reference to Satan. Um, I say that because he does not want us to be in any kind of relationship at all that would remotely resemble being brethren, like-minded, and walking with God. And he does not want us to be with God. He doesn't want us to know God. He doesn't want us to have a relationship with God. And so he doesn't want us to have a relationship one with another because then we'd be sharing information. Oh, goodness, we can't do that. So what he does is he manipulates and takes anything to draw us away from interpersonal relationships. I believe I shared this uh, little... Uh, kind of a fanciful story, but it, it, it's a true story, actually, um, with a man and his father, and the young man tried to get his father to get a computer or, or get a cell phone because, quite honestly, what he got tired of is having to come and take his father to the bank. Sadly, what we do is we take our family members, parents, relatives, and when they get a little too old, we dump them. We dump them in a used, like a, getting rid of a car, putting it in a used car lot, or pretty soon it just goes like a lot of these great so-called greatest invention since the napkin electric cars, and people don't realize that there's these lots where they just stack these things up because they can't be recycled. They have not developed a way to recycle the batteries in them and to replace a battery in that, you have to pay nearly as much as the automobile was brand new. And people can't afford that. So yeah, these greatest inventions. So they put these on these lots and they, they stack them up. So what do we do to our brothers and sisters, our fathers, or those that we should be taking care of? We put them away. We put them in these care homes and these uh, other places. And then you don't ever go see them. You don't go visit them. You just dump them and leave them for somebody else to take care of. You don't go see them. You don't go visit. You pay no attention to them. <clears throat> and children become so arrogant and obnoxious that all they consider is what they're going to get for an inheritance, that they think that they're owed something through life. Parents raised them and fed them and clothed them and housed them and got them to school and paid for things and and then when they get out and they become adults, they think that the parent, when they get old enough, that the parents owe them. What do the parents owe them? These children dump their parents in a home center. They don't go visit. They won't take the grandchildren to see them. And they basically just dump them. Like an old uh, piece of wood tossed out in the wood pile out in the back. Just forgotten, overgrown, left. And then just goes. And then they complain because there is nothing left to them. 
That's pretty sad. But we're driven to this and separation, interpersonal relationships don't exist. And I've shared with you that that I firmly believe that part of the reason is these little electronic gizmos because you can get everything. And this man tried to convince his father to get a cellular telephone or a computer so he wouldn't have to come and take him to the bank anymore. And his father was, didn't understand about getting on the bus and all that stuff, and he called his son. Well... The crux of the matter is that he wanted to see his son and his son wouldn't come to see him without him calling and asking him to. His son just basically ignored him. He got too old and he just didn't want to bother with him. He didn't want to, didn't want to interfere with his schedule. What schedule? He had nothing. He wanted to watch a game. So he didn't want to go see his father. And his mother had died, so his father was all that was left who brought him into the world and paid for his education and basically his job. And then, of course, as is the rule that so many people, they, they're self-made. Well, there's no such thing. These so-called self-made, whatever they claim to be, and many do claim that. I'm self-made. I was this and I was... Well, no, somebody loaned something to you or something gave someone along your life's line gave you something to get you started. And then it just developed from there and you were able to get it. But somebody gave you a, a boost up. Someone somewhere along your life's line gave you a hand. You didn't do it on your own. Period. So no matter who you are or who you claim to be in your arrogance, you didn't make it on your own. Somebody started you out and helped you. Most of the time it's parents. But this, this young man would not go to see his father unless his father called him to take him to the bank. And then after being upbraided and, and uh, derided by his son and, and blamed for not keeping up with all the the technology and having, so he didn't have to go to the bank. He could have his grocery delivered. And and as he explained to his son, he said, well, where in, where's the fun in that? These store clerks used to babysit. You, you, they went to school with you. I know them. And some of them I know better than I know you. And these people that work at the bank, they used to babysit you. When your mother and I were, when she was still alive and when I was working, they would babysit for you. So I like going to the bank. I like to go see them in person. I like to have an interpersonal relationship. And these store clerks at the grocery store, I like to talk to them because they went to school with you. And I get more information from them than I do from you. Because you don't come and see me anymore. Of course, the father didn't do that, but I'm just, I'm paraphrasing the ad to the story. So this son won't go see his father, so he has to use an excuse of getting his son to come and take him to the bank of the store. And of course, the son doesn't like to have to do that. Isn't that a shame? But this electronic device, why do you suppose they call it a cell phone? And I, I actually read this the other day and I had somebody share these things with me. 
Why do they call it a cell phone? Oh, well, that's short for cellular. Hello? No, it's not. Because you're bound to this, you're locked in a cage to this, and you don't have interpersonal relationships with anybody because you're locked away in it. You're in a cell. You're locked in a cell. You won't look, you, you'd have more... You have more faith in the GPS system of the phone, which doesn't work when you get downtown in areas, and I've seen that happen in downtown Fort Worth, by the way. Um, you have high-rise buildings and a lot of iron and things around there, and it interferes with the GPS system, which, guess what, comes from a satellite. And when you're buried in the midst of high-rises and skyscrapers, hey, you can't very well get that signal. And when you travel with these things, you find that there are places where you have no service. And the phone, if you look up there in the top corner, is going to tell you that. And sometimes you'll have the words will come right out and say, no service. And I've seen people walk around for, it seemed like a very, very long time because they've got no service. And they get all agitated about things. I've shared with you and this little anecdotal story for you. When I was downtown and I saw this couple and they were searching, 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 they couldn't find, and the guy kept going to the GPS and the wife or his girlfriend or whoever, they traveling together with her, the female companion, she was trying to get him to talk to somebody and he go, and he waved her off and, and he's still on the phone. He still wants your phone. So I, I stopped and I actually stepped out and, and, uh, walked up and said, can I help you find something? Because I had already gone around in a big circle and came back around, parked at the bus stop and secured everything appropriately. I had nobody with me, so I took the opportunity to step out and do customer service. And I asked them, I said, can I help you find something? And they told me what they were looking for. Well, as it turns out, they were only two and a quarter blocks away from the place they were looking for. And I said, well, sure. If you turn and you go down there, and I had to get his attention because he was busy still with that stupid electronic device trying to GPS it and go and wasn't looking. I said, excuse me, you have to look over here because you're going to go down that direction, not that way. So, so you're going to go down that direction two blocks, take a left, and you're going to go down about a quarter block. You got five doors on your left, and that's the place you want to be. That's what you're looking for, about two and a quarter blocks away. And the whole time they were standing there and just going around in circles on this and go down a half a block and come back to that corner, go over a book and come back to the corner. They couldn't get the GPS to function. So a lot of good, that little electronic device, but he wouldn't talk to anyone and ask them for directions, which to her credit, the woman was trying to get him to do, but he was being stubborn and didn't want to do so. He put more faith in that little electronic device that was not functioning. And I saw a mother and son, I could, I'm, I'm guessing that's what they were, but they went together and it seemed that way by the conversation that I could barely hear. But she was caught up in the electronics of hers and he was in his little thing and they were out to lunch together. They didn't acknowledge the hostess that came to seat them, didn't acknowledge the waitress barely, and they didn't speak to one another the whole time that they were eating. And actually she took two bites of her food and then turned sideways in her stool 
and crossed her legs and spent the whole time in this stupid electronic device in her hand. Didn't have any kind of interpersonal relationship with this young boy at the table with her who would glance up and look every once in a while, take a bite of food, and then write back into that stupid telephone. Why do I bring this up? Because the prince of the air desires to have you in separation, derisive behavior, separated, and wants you to be separated from God. That's his goal and his desire. And if he can keep you separated from anybody else, oh, he's going to do that as well. And this, the person of Satan, is a real being. This isn't fabrication and made-up stories and, and this thing. So, But here's the important thing in regards to all of this. And remember, I've shared this with you before. God doesn't mind you to have fear. He knows that you will have that. And he knows that we're weak and broken and that we have fear. He doesn't mind that. But don't be fearfully driven. Remember I shared with you there's a difference. When you are fearful, you allow fear to run your life. You will act or react totally differently than you normally would with anyone else or anything else or any situation, you act and react totally different. You talk to people differently. You act around people differently in situations totally different, totally different. Whom then shall I fear? None, but be in awe of God. I've shared this with you before. Awe and wonder in the power and the majesty of God and that you should be auspiciously fearful of God. I think I just made that word up. I should look it up and see. But if you are in awe of God because he is the sovereign Lord God Almighty, the maker of all things made, and if you go to Genesis 1, you will see simply by his saying things, they came into existence. And God said, and it was so. And God said, and it was so. And God said, and they became alive and breathed. Not only physically in the Garden of Eden and in the book of Genesis when God was creating everything, but also too in the vision that he gave to Ezekiel. He said, Ezekiel, my prophet, prophesy to these dry bones. You tell them. And of course, we know, as I shared with you before, that the vision is not of, the vision was of the valley of dry bones, but literally it was the nation that had given up all hope, had given up their faith in God, had, get, had just turned away. So they became as dry bones. And remember, I shared this with you in the in, uh, Ezekiel 37, you see that he prophesies to the bones and he's talking, he's giving, what he's doing is he's speaking rema to the people 
which is a specific word from God. Remember, I shared that with you as well. Logos can speak as the collective word of God, the Bible. And then you have Rhema, which I have pulled from, but uh, also it is a specific word that God speaks to a prophet. And that specific word is given to the prophets so that they will give it to others directed as he was for the nation of Israel. And when he was speaking to the bones, uh, not only in Ezekiel 37, you find that he is in the valley, but also we find notation that in 37, we find there is a reference, I believe it's 37, uh, 10, 37, 11, where it's talking about the response and that they had given up. So in Ezekiel 37, from one through 10, he is prophesying in the vision, actually in uh, verse two through 10, he's in the valley with the bones. But then we find in Ezekiel 37, 11, what I was telling you about. They gave up all their hope and everything had given up. Then he said unto me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried and our hope is lost. We are cut off for our parts. So they have declared that their hope is gone. They have no hope and they just gave up faith. Faith is a powerful thing. I've shared this with you before too. Faith is powerful. You have faith in many, and, and people will use the excuse of not having faith in God because they can't say, which is what the nation of Israel did. They're saying, and <laughs> I find it very humorous, and yeah, I'm kind of laughing to myself right now, but you heard me, I'm sure, that there are individuals today that make that excuse for not having faith because they don't see God. How are they supposed to have faith in God when they can't see him? Well, let's go this route, as I've shared with you before. You have faith in your auto mechanic and his service department, but do you see them do the work on your car? Or you just believe them when they hand you the bill and you got to pay that exorbitant amount of money. And then two days, two weeks later, you have the same issue come up and it's something else. And then they will hand you a blah, blah, blah report or then they give you this thing. Well, you know, that's the electric system. And there's so much electronics in these cars today that it could, it could really be anything. And I've had mechanics share that with me. It could be anything. So we'll have to put it up on the diagnostic. We'll have to plug it in. You'll have to give us a couple days in order to, excuse me, really? And there used to be a time, a day, when I used to work on all my own cars. And it would take me maybe a few hours to get things done. Or when you took it to a shop, it would take, the, they'd have it done by the end of the day. 
And now when you take it, you have it so backlogged that they have to get it on these electronic gizmos and it's gonna take them a couple days to get to it before they can get into the electronic shop and hook it up. And then it's gonna take a day. And then if they can get the parts for it, then they can't decide what part because it's got all this blah, 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 yada, 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 clack, clack, clack. And you have no response, but yet, you will put faith in this mechanic and take your car to him year after year and pay him check after check or bill after bill and you keep doing it. Let's go another route. You get on that airplane and you go flying somewhere across country, across the ocean, around the world, wherever you're going. And the avionic mechanics. You have faith in them. Did you see them do the work on the plane? Did you see it happen? And you have faith in it was done. You just get on that plane, you don't even think about it. And you have faith that the pilot is up there doing what he's supposed to be doing, paying attention to the instrumentation and the panels. And you put faith in that. But yet, you didn't see any of these things happen, but you have faith. But you won't have faith in God who you don't see. And this is the same thing that way over 2,000 years ago, well, over 2,000 years ago, when the nation of Israel left Egypt and they got out to the desert, their complaint was that they couldn't see God. They wanted to worship God they could see. So they had Aaron cast a golden calf because that was a God that they used to worship in Egypt. Not all. Don't get me wrong. Not all of the nation of Israel had turned that way, but many of them adopted. This is the problem that they had through history as they adopted beliefs of other gods. Um, the same thing happened with Jezebel. When she came in and had married Ahab, she poisoned the nation of Israel with her belief and her religion. And she poisoned her husband as the king. And they were worshiping a false god and they were sacrificing their own children. They were blood sacrificing their children for a false deity. And they had faith in a God in a statue they could see. So when Elijah came up and he said, hey, I challenge you to a faith duel. My God against your God. We'll see who's best. Of course, paraphrasing, but it was also similar because he actually smarted off to them a little bit and got them all riled up. And then their God didn't respond to their sacrifice. So then he took theirs and he also had his associates and those that were following his teaching close to him and, and they were with him. And they took barrels of water and poured it all over their altar all over the 
the bullock that was cut to sacrifice and poured it in trenches around the altar and then prayed to God, Abba Yahweh, the great I am. And if you read in the Bible, you will see that the altar was consumed in fire, which is what Elijah prayed for. Elijah prayed for the fire to come down and God consumed the altar. So then, of course, they fell on the counselors and all those that were leading Israel astray and causing them to sacrifice their children to this false deity. And they were killed. And that's when Jezebel chased him and when he ended up in the cave and on the mountain and he heard the still small voice of God. And God reminded me, he said, hey, you go back because you are not alone. First of all, I'm with you and you can hear my small voice. I'm talking to you because I'm your heavenly father. But you go back and there are, there are still those that believe and did not bow their knee to the false god and pray to their false deity. There are many that still believe in what you bring them. So he renewed his faith. And I'm going to interject this. Is that we have that same situation that's going on now. We have a false deity, many false deities. And we are, if you don't think that we're sacrificing our children for, this, for that sake, then look around and pay attention. Because you have schools, and it's a mournful situation, actually. You have parents that are being torn from their children and being cast as the villain because they try to take care of their children and pay attention to the, what the schools are teaching. And they're being told, basically, that they have no business in that. Oh, wait a second. I can remember when my parents used to go to a thing called PTA meetings. And some of you younger people don't even remember that. And some my age or older will remember, possibly. But it was called the Parent Teachers Association. And they used to have monthly meetings. Every month, the Parent Teachers Association would meet. And then once a quarter, they would meet when we couldn't go. It was just the adults, period. But... Every month, the Parent Teachers Association, and we could go to those meetings and we could either sit in because we wanted to hear what they were talking about, if they were bad-mouthing about us or something was going to be changing the curriculum, and parents had a say in what the schools were doing. And you had members of the school board and everything were there. Parents had an active participation and they were invited. Not today. Today, parents can't go near them. They don't want parents. And yet they have these bathrooms that are, I don't know what they are. You don't have a boy and girl bathroom anymore. You don't have anything anymore. They just go wherever they want. And you have these young women who are being assaulted by, I identify as a girl. That's funny, but your biology says you're not. It's a sad thing, brothers and sisters, but we are also told that this was all going to happen. If you pay attention to the Bible. Oh yeah, it's in there. But again, whom then shall I fear? Whom or what shall I fear? None. 
but be in awe of God because of who and what he is. The maker of all things made, our heavenly father, and he loves us. He loves us so much. So we find a couple places and reminded of this. And I'm going to go specifically in Psalm 27.1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? David reminds us of that in Psalm 27. Whom shall I fear? God's my light. He's my strength. I don't have anything to fear. And if you remember, I've shared this with you before. You go through Psalm 1, all 150 chapters in the book of Psalm. And through his poems and his songs, he constantly reminds us that God is our strength. God is our source. God is our power. God is our refuge. God is our buckler. Remember what a buckler is? It's a shield. That is small, moves from side to side and back front. That's our God. And you can read through Psalm, the book of Psalms, and read Psalm 27 in its entirety. And you are aware of the awe that was in David that he has of God. The awe that was in David of the Lord God. Just read through. And you can find it in his poems. We can find it in his songs. And be aware, because it's there. And then we're going to jump over to Romans, our adoption letter. Romans 8. Remember, I've shared this with you. That is our, our adoption letter. And actually... Our pastor didn't call it the adoption letter, but he was reminding us that in the sermon and, and he made reference to that in Romans 8 that speaks to our adoption and what we are. In Romans 8, 35 through 39, actually. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? So tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness, or peril, or sword. Pretty much anything that happens in this plane of existence. Further reading in 36. As it is written, remember, remember that phrase? That was used by Christ Jesus as Satan tried in the temptation. Oh, you know, it says that you, and then of course Jesus retorted with, it is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. It is written that thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Further reading in verse 36, as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Every day we have to be willing to lay ourselves down. And this is a, this is, can be a most difficult thing to do because we hold on to things. I find that 
and as I'm looking around and being taught more and more I, that I'm holding on to things that I shouldn't be and and I need to let go. And I didn't think that they were, but the more I read the word and the more the Holy Spirit teaches and the more that I am told, I'm holding on to these things. I gotta let them go. Further reading verse 37, nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For, okay, hold on. I gotta, I gotta pause there for a minute. So what does that mean, more than conquerors? Remember those slothful, lazy people that don't want to do anything because, oh, I read the end of the book and we win. Yeah, and armchair quarterback that you are, that you're used to doing that with a football game and everything else, and you've become accustomed to doing that with church. You don't go to church, you don't do anything, you sit at home and you watch a game all day long. And Sunday comes around and it's not revered and you don't go to church, you don't read your Bible, you don't go to Bible study, you don't go to prayer meeting, nothing you do. Once every three months, some special thing happens at the church, so then uh, your wife will bother you to go, or vice versa, the husband will bother the wife to go, and so they go. But what do you what do you win? You're sitting in an armchair. You didn't win any game. You weren't there playing the game. You were watching it on TV. So what are you what are you doing? You're just going to be that lazy schmuck, and you're just going to take whatever comes because you think you rate it, you deserve it? Hmm. So further reading. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's powerful. For me, that makes me willing to do what I do and and pray the strength that, that if things come while I'm still here and people get really shag nasty, that I would have the strength to persevere and and uh, to be. I mean, I would read that the the biography, and I I don't do that much, but um, that I would have the strength to be able to be a godly man like that. That'd be hard. I mean, think about it. Beaten up, beaten to the point that your bones are broken. And then they try to get you to function with that anyway, that, that broken leg or arm and, and sort of force you into that. Wow. To have that strength, Father God, to be able to do that. And you say, well, gosh, why would, why would you do that? Well, let me ask you this. Why would I do that? Why would Jesus Christ step off the throne that he was sitting on quite comfortably, by the way, and take his crown off and set it down on that self-same throne and step out of the kingdom of heaven and manifest as a baby on this plane of existence 
being born in a stable for crying out loud. Joseph had to muck the stable before he could put down fresh straw so that Mary and the baby could, could be in there. And in case you didn't know, muck the stable means it cleaned it out. Because when animals go in a stable and they're and they're and they're they they just not where they sleep, but in areas within they just they poop and pee. And when a stable hand comes in, they muck the stable. They got to clean it out. They rake it and they shovel it and all that. Joseph had to do that before they could have a fresh place to the bed because the stable had been used. Okay, hello. There was a census going on. And the town of Bethlehem was overrun. There was no place for it, no place in the inn. There was no place. Anybody had no, no rooms available. People were renting out rooms just like they do today. Oh yeah, the Bible's not relevant to the, today's age. Hardly, very relevant. So Joseph took Mary to the stable because the innkeeper said, well, I've, I've got a stable. And he mucked it, cleaned it out, put fresh straw down so that there was a bed for them. And then Jesus, when he was born, and there was no midwife, by the way. And in those days, they, they used to have a person that would come in and help the birth. There was no one. It was Joseph and Mary. And of course, God and the attending angels, but they couldn't see them. They didn't know, but they were there. So Jesus is born, then he's wrapped in swaddling cloth. I shared that with you, that that was cloth that was used to help the ewes birth their lamb. And how significant is that? That Christ is called, behold, the lamb of God. And he was wrapped in swaddling cloth, that same cloth that is used to birth the lambs. And he was wrapped in that so that he could sleep. And he was laid in a manger. And a manger is a folding support that you put straw in so the animals didn't have to eat off the ground and that was his crib he didn't have a crib so they laid him in a manger and he left his kingdom the throne and set his crown down and came for that yeah not because we deserved it, not because we earned it, not for any other reason except for the grace of God and the love that God had. And Jesus said that we got to do this. God said we got to do this because I don't want I don't want to blow him off the planet again. I don't want to flood the whole place again. I don't want the earth to open up like it did to Sodom and Gomorrah. I don't want to blast them from fire and brimstone. I don't want the earth to open up and swallow them like they did when they refused to come back and they convinced everybody in the nation to turn against me and not to go to where I promised them. I don't want to do that. I love my children. I want them to just, I want them to be with us. I want to have a personal relationship with my children. So not because we earned it, not because we were becoming more holy so that the Holy One, the kingdom, the, the king 
Jesus, Lord Jesus, the all-powerful Lord Jesus, the name above all names, King of King and Lord of Lords, one with God, from God, in God, with God, that he came down voluntarily and died on the cross, not because we earned it, not because we deserved it, but because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whomsoever, whosoever is the important word, and people always miss that. They don't, I, I guess they don't get it. And they, they want to find, they want to seek offense. Remember what I shared? Oftentimes I say it. If you seek offense, you shall surely find offense. So what are they offended at? They're offended because many paintings portray Jesus such and such, such and such, in this way and that way. All for crying out loud. Really? You're going to get caught up in that? He has the power to appear any way. He has the power to speak any language. Goodness gracious. His native language here on this plane of existence was Aramaic. And they had, they had this, Yahoo was arguing about that with someone the other day. Goodness gracious, arguing about the language that Jesus was speaking and that it wasn't even factual argument. The, 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 the argument was not fact-based. And just politely pointed out that, well, actually his native language was Aramaic. But being the Lord of Lords, he could speak any language, any language. But brothers and sisters, we have to remember these things. We have to remember these things. And remember too, that our adoption letter speaks to the authority that is given of God to us. And we remember too, that given of Christ Jesus, we are given authority as we go to Luke 10 and 17. And the 70 returned again with joy saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Notwithstanding, in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. So don't be all happy, happy, joy, joy, because you're doing things that we were told to do anyway. And we also find two in Second Timothy 1, 7 through 9. For God had not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partakers of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Now, this is what I pray for, that I would have that. Because, you know, there are folks that come against Christians. 
simply because we are Christians. Are you going to have that power and authority? Are you going to stand for against? I mean, you don't want to be confrontational, but are you going to be able to stand up and say, yes, I am? Or are you going to cave and say, oh, no. Are you going to be like Peter at the door? I, was, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know who he is. Jesus? No. Bible? I don't read it. Are you going to be like that? Or are you going to say, yes, the Lord came for me as he came for you. Whatever you do, I, I pray for you. I forgive you. You could be able to do that? Further reading, verse 9. Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Again, did you deserve it? No. Did he give it to you? Yes. Why? Because God so loves the world. And he didn't want to flood us out. He didn't want to blow us up. He didn't want the earth to swallow us up because he loves us. And he wants us to have the opportunity to be adopted. And remember, we did not earn nor are we deserving of the grace and mercy shown of our Heavenly Father. He didn't come because we were holy and he came to make us more holy. For the most part, we didn't even respond. We didn't, didn't get it and remained at enmity with him. Even so, he came and died for our sakes. Wow. Christ Jesus came and through him are we sanctified. We are made holy because of him. Not because we were holy and he came to make us more holy. Not at all. He sanctified us and made us holy by his coming and sacrificing for us on that cross and dying for us. And through him are we sanctified, made holy and redeemed by the blood of the lamb. Redeemed. Redeemed by the blood of the lamb. There's, old, there's an old song about that. Redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood. I can't remember how it goes. Sorry, I was just trying to remember it. But um, redeemed by the blood of the lamb. Redeemed, redeemed, his child and forever I am. I remembered a few words, but we're redeemed and we are his child. He just wants a personal relationship with us. And so many people are so ready to just turn their back. Kind of like that son and his dad. His father wanted a relationship with him and he had to call him up on the telephone to get him to come to take him to the bank and to the store as an excuse so he could see his son. I have conversation with his son because his son was so arrogant and so rude, so naturally and became so insolent with his own father. 
You have to be careful in your arrogance so that you don't become that way with God. Remember, this is what I remind you, to stay humble, to stay humble. Because if you allow yourself to become arrogant and rude, then you become insolent. What does that mean? Insolent. That you become in your speech very obnoxious to God. You don't treat him or speak to him respectfully. And then you become, uh, there's another word that comes in line with that, impertinent, which is rude and obnoxious, irrelevant, and you use inappropriate speech. So here's, here's let's flip over one more page. So why would you do that to your neighbor or another who you're trying to get to realize and understand about God in it? And that people get absolutely obnoxious and nasty. They're, excuse me, they're also a child of God and that we are supposed to be ambassadors for the kingdom of heaven and as an heir and a joint heir with Christ Jesus in the kingdom of heaven, are they not also the same opportunity given if they are a true believer? So by what authority do you claim to have or be a step above them so that you can talk to them in that way? Was that given to you by God? Or did somebody come and give you a message and say, hey, you have more authority than the other person who was also called, who I also love, who I also came and died for. So you can talk to them in that manner? No. They are heirs and joint heirs in the kingdom of heaven. That's what that phrase is, heirs and joint heirs. With Christ Jesus, just it's not talking about you. It's talking about the brothers and sisters and anyone that you share the gospel with. All you folks out there that I'm talking to right now, wherever you are, inviting you to become an heir and a joint heir with the kingdom of heaven and be an heir and joint heir with Christ Jesus in that kingdom. I'm not gonna talk to you mean, nasty, and vicious. Oh no, that's insolence. And you also are calling to be, I am inviting you to be an ambassador in the kingdom of heaven. So I don't have any authority to speak to you in any way, shape, or form except to tell you. But also, too, that you've heard me say that if you are not following the letter of the law as it is written in the Bible, and you're doing things that you shouldn't be doing, claiming to be something that you're not, Don't be a liar. Just be truthful. Let your yea be yea and your nay be nay. Brothers and sisters, I pray on my going out and my coming in daily. Be blessed.